0: i to draw our text today from a very familiar reading. I've preached on this uh, before. I don't know that I preached on it here from this. I'm sure I have in the past, but um, about a year uh, and a half ago, I drew a text from here to preach a men's conference and um, haven't really visited it much since then. But the Lord spoke to me this this week on the way home. Began to deal with me. So I know you're standing. We're only going to read one verse. Matthew 13 and verse number 44. The language of this is so very important. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. Oh, if you could only grasp the language the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hid in a field the which when a man hath found what did he find okay he found the treasure and the treasure is like what the kingdom of god the kingdom of heaven so what Jesus is saying is that this man finds value in the kingdom of heaven. And when he finds the treasure, he hides it because it's valuable to him. And for joy thereof, he goeth and he selleth all that he hath so that he can buy the treasure or the the field there are parts to your relationship with God that have absolutely nothing to do with heaven or hell but if you don't take the field you don't get the treasure I'm going to preach to you today. I'll take the land. I'll take the land. You may be seated. I, uh, I do my best to stay sharp and to read a lot and study a lot. Um, I don't want this to be misunderstood. I don't study to preach, really. I study to live, and then you kind of get things to preach while you're studying. I study to be a better me. I read to be a better me. I want to know why things are the way they are in the world from different perspectives. I'm not a big, big reader of what what some would call the category of self-help. Um, We have more self-help books than we've ever had and more helpless people and i've found a common thread that runs through a lot of self-help books is self-help is do whatever you have to do to make yourself happy and that's dangerous to buy into the fact that what helps me is just what makes me happy. Because it turns into chaos and confusion and division. It is the very spirit behind that thought process that has created such divisions in doctrine, biblical understanding. If you just walk... Right out of the pages of the scripture and get into uh, religious history. You're going to discover exactly how it is that the aberration began. From pure, holy doctrine that was delivered where so was so much strength and power that Jude felt necessary to say. Whatever else you do, earnestly contend for the faith. That was once delivered to the saints. That faith, that doctrine, that gospel message, that belief. Somehow took a left turn of aberration and was manipulated by the hearts of men that want to be happy. They took the parts of the scripture that they did not like that were not convenient for them manipulated the hearts of men and women and just deleted them from their mind. And let's be honest, in today's society, there is a spirit that says, if you act like it does not exist, then it doesn't exist. Woo! Happy Father's Day. I tell you today, on the contrary... If we have ever paid attention to things that exist, it needs to happen now. But we do not need to pay so much attention to what people want us to think exists as we do the reality of what's real. And that fact is that there are issues not in our world that need to be dealt with, but in our hearts as individuals. We will never see collective revival until we have individual revival. I don't care how many people line up and say they have a purpose together that they scream for, march for, dance for, shout for, whatever. Ultimately, what that ends up doing, if you read history, you find out it ends up becoming a war where blood is shed. Because somebody wanted to be right more than they wanted really to have peace of mind. And so, I have been battling in my spirit, and this is a moment of transparency. I don't want you to be bored to death. I'm getting ready to preach to you. I've been struggling in my mind with how in the world... We're supposed to have revival in this day and time. As I look, and this is going to make you uncomfortable, so just get uncomfortable and put your seatbelt on. These last four months have been nothing but chaos. And if you think that chaos came from God, you you got something else coming. That's right. I told Bishop yesterday, I said, you know what? Nobody can deny the fact that there's a virus that's made people sick or whatever. It's a sickness. It's obvious. It's there. But the question we should be asking is not about whether or not so-and-so is right and their opinion of it or not. What we should be asking is where did this come from and why are we dealing with it? There's a source of things. Where did this come from and why did it create so much division if this was really just about... People not getting sick. How then when it starts losing steam do we just switch narratives immediately and America never blinks? Folks, I hate to tell you this. But there are parts of America in the 4,000 miles that I've driven the last few days. They don't act like they're acting in some states right now. When you walk into stores in some states, they're scared to death. My little girl was getting a a drink out of the soda fountain. And a grown man stood from me to the front row over here. While my child was trying to figure out whether she wanted to do a suicide of all of them. Just the orange, just the Dr. Pepper, you know how kids are. And you can see her standing there on one hip, tapping her cup, looking back and forth. And I watched a full-grown man stand like he was scared to death yeah. to walk up to a drink fountain and get something to drink. I don't know. Maybe he lost somebody. I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer because we've lost people, sure. friends and family close. Nobody's denying that. What we're saying is, is that there's got to be a bigger story unfolding behind the scenes. Yeah because the very same people that were saying two months ago don't leave your house are the very same people today that are saying get out there and say what you want to say get out there and say it and get it done i told you you're going to be uncomfortable so just there's something that if we're not careful we're going to miss this is not a political speech today While we can say, yes, it has to do with some of our politicians, I'm telling you this is not about politics. It's about the spirit of the age that's ruling. There is, and you want to write it down if you're a note taker and if you're watching online, then do whatever you want to do and mark it down that I said it today in the presence of God and everybody listening and all those assembled and all that are gathered online. If you want to know what's going on in the earth right now. It is not about racial injustice. It is not about a virus. It is about the spirit of antichrist. It is the spirit of antichrist. John said it is in the earth and now worketh. I want you to know that. You don't really believe in a cause that somebody has to pay you to march for. You're not going to prove to anybody that you love them by busting out windows in somebody's business. You're going to prove that you love somebody by the way you live 365 days out of the year. And if it was in your heart four months ago, it's still going to be in your heart when people quit marching. If you've got hatred in your heart, you're not going to fix it by marching. You're going to fix it right down here on your knees at an altar of repentance when you tell God, I'm sorry for the way that I've treated my fellow man. I'm sorry for the way that I've treated my brothers and my sisters. Lord, we are all a body of people, and we must have love one for another. That's how you said men would know I was your disciple. And forgive me today if I sound insensitive, but you understand you understand me. When I tell you, I know of people today that will post all kinds of things on their social media, and then privately where you can't see it on their page, they'll send a private message to somebody making a racial joke about something they just posted that they were willing to stand for. Are you still glad to be here this morning? The enemy wants you to believe that we hate one another. And it's not true. It's not true. No. What we need to understand is that there is a cure for this disease. Amen. Yes. And it's in the kingdom of God. Yes. Yes. Woo. So Jesus said it like this. He said, That the kingdom of heaven... It's like a treasure that's in a field. It's a treasure that's wide open. that's out in the open so that everybody can see it. And when they walk by, it's just very obvious. Is that what it says? What's it say? It's hid. When something is hidden, you've got to search for it. I was reading this week. I came across a story... That Once I started researching the story, I found out it's actually in several, several books. It's like a kind of a self-help thing. But um, there's actually a book written about it. If you want to find it for yourself, it's a full story. I'm going to give you the synopsis of the story. It's written about a man by the name of Darby. And the book is called Three Feet from Gold. Now, I'm going to give you the quick once-over A gentleman by the name of Darby was caught by gold fever in the gold rush days, and he went to dig and grow rich. He had never heard that more gold had been mined from the brains of men than had ever been taken from the earth. So he pursued and staked his claim in gold that was found in the earth. Man, I just preached, and I think you missed it. So... After weeks of of laboring and working, Darby discovered that great shining ore running through a piece of of property, and he needed machinery to bring it to the surface, and so uh, quietly, now you'll know why this scripture is what I'm preaching from, quietly he covers up the vein that he found, marks it, retraces his footsteps back home to the state of Maryland, where he told his relatives and a few neighbors about the strike that he had found. And he basically, essentially the story is that he sells everything, goes back out west, buys all the machinery that he needs, and he digs for gold. He goes right back to the gold that he finds in the first trip, and he digs it up. After just a couple of days, and he did hit a vein. I mean, it was the real deal. It was like large, large pieces of gold. But after a few days of digging, he got back into dirt. There was no more gold. So he got ticked off. He was upset. And as he was sitting there sucking his thumb, saying, I thought I had found the big one. Then a junk man. Now, I've seen a few of those around. Just haul anything. He said, a junk man came by, and Darby was so frustrated that he had got back into dirt that all he had of his life savings invested in the machinery to get the ore out of the earth, Bishop. He looked at the junk man, and he said, I'll sell you this property and all of my machinery for $200. He sold everything that he had purchased for the gold dig for $200. At which point, the junk man looked at his equipment and said, Well, his equipment's worth thousands of dollars if I just part it out. So he comes up with the $200, and he buys Darby out for $200. And then he goes, uses his brain, and he goes to some men who were specialists at that time, In gold mining. And he said, this is what I did. I bought all the machinery and whatever. Is there anything left? Because this guy dug for a few days, went from dirt to gold to dirt immediately. Now, follow me very closely here. You're not going to get the rest of my sermon. He said he dug into the gold, and then he was in dirt. At which point, the men who were intelligent in gold mining stopped him and said, we can tell you the problem right now that veins of gold run in one direction. They said, what your friend has done here is he started mining on this direction and he cut across the vein of gold. And what he should have done is turned and came back up the vein of gold. But where he stopped digging and sold out for $200, he was three feet away from turning the right direction and being one of the wealthiest gold miners that's ever lived. But the problem is that when he sold out, he sold out for the gold and not for the piece of property. He did not care about what was in the field. Once he got out of the field, everything he could take from the field. So he thought the value was just in the little strand that he had taken and he counted his losses because in just the vein that he had tapped into he made enough money to recoup everything that he had and then sold out for $200. And when we look at the kingdom of God like this about what's in it for me and we extract out of it only what is good for us and then we get to the place and I'm fixing to walk in the Holy Ghost so stay with me. But we get to the place where we've now hit dirt again in the kingdom of God. And it don't feel as good as it did when we got the Holy Ghost. And it don't feel as good as it did when we got baptized in Jesus' name. And it don't feel as good as it did when we were a new new convert. And now we realize all we did was come for the feel good. Our families were messed up, our lives were a wreck. We were addicted, we were torn inside out. But when we got better, we got over it. <laughs> <laughs> so we we realized at that point that we started using God to get better. We wanted what was in that field so that we could have a different status in society. I cannot tell you how many people I've seen through the years that had nothing when they came to God but got their life right with God. And God got them a good job, and they made good money, and they got in a home, and they started doing better than they've ever done. And then just forget how good God's been because it was never about God. It was about just getting better. better. Uh woo uh, I'm already tired because I'm pulling all of Darby's equipment up here behind me like a freight train. <laughs> Three feet from where he stopped, Bishop, because he didn't love the land. He loved the gold. The Holy Ghost is a gift. And I'm glad I've got it. And I can't be saved without it. But I did not get saved to get the Holy Ghost. Can I just throw this thing out here today? And Even if it goes over like a lead balloon, I'm going to preach to you today. And I want you to hear this preacher. And I want you to hear me very, very well. The bottom line of serving God is that if you don't fall in love with Him... When resources run thin, you're going to walk away. And this may make you uncomfortable, but the reason we have this mentality is that religion has painted the picture of a Christ that is more like a sugar daddy than he is the creator of all things. And when we run out of handouts, we run out of love. And when we run out of blessings, we run out of love. And we get out of town. And then we blame God for all of the problems. I'm trying to stay right here at this pace today because I do not want you to miss this. I feel the Holy Ghost is trying to help somebody today. I want to tell you, listen to me. This is going to sound like a closed-minded preacher. But the problem with our society is we become so open-minded that our brains are falling out. Right. Right. True. Here's what you need to do. You need to decide that you're going to love Jesus and then close your mind. Well, pastor, that's stupid. No, it's not stupid. It's the real story of life. When you marry a woman, then you get close-minded. If you don't get close-minded, then you're an adulterer and a whoremonger and everybody talks bad about you. But if you say this about the church, then you're just close-minded Christians. No. When you fall in love with Jesus, you got to take yourself off the market. It's a, I really don't care what Buddha thinks about this. It really doesn't matter what, how Christ. you've got to get it settled in your heart. There is one God. I have fallen in love with him, and I'm in love with his plan. Period. Yes, sir. Well, it's tight, but it's right. John 14, 15 is a preview of a picture that I think sometimes we quote out of context because we're trying to prove a point. Church family, what I'm getting ready to say to you, I need this to leave an indelible mark in your mind. I don't want you to forget anything else. about the, If you don't remember anything else, I don't want you to forget this. The reason why I do not pastor from a position of fear is because you can't scare hell out of people. If the only reason you live for God is because you don't want to go to hell, you missed it. You can be seated. We live in a temporal perspective and talk with an eternal perspective. And we say, the reason I'm living for God is because I want to go to heaven and I don't want to go to hell. Sorry. You may make it. Because God, when he comes back, he catches you on an upswing. But I want you to think about how many times you've heard sermons and messages and I've preached. I know they're hard. And those are tough times, and when they come, I'm going to preach them. But understand how many times that you've heard eternal perspective preached from a perspective of fear saying, if you don't get your life right tonight and the Lord were to come back, you'd go to hell. It's true. There's a lot of truth in that. It's, it's absolutely the truth. But what I want to preach to you tonight, uh, today is that if you don't fall in love with Jesus right now, eternity doesn't, it don't matter. Because you start playing games with, with, with stupid doctrines and silly things and you start entertaining conversations with people that have fallen out of love with God and they start telling you dumb things like there's no hell. Can, can I preach to you this morning? I feel a little boldness in the Holy Ghost and I want to preach to you. And I want to tell you if there's a heaven, then there's a hell. But the problem is you've fallen in love with God because of heaven and not because of who he is. I'm looking for some people today that don't care about how much gold. If that's all the gold they got, that was enough. But they're going to build their house here. They're taking the land. You know what I believe? I believe if Mr. Darby would have went ahead and built his house there and raised his kids there on that land, that there would come a day that he was going to go plant a garden just north of where he discovered that first run of gold and his kids would have been playing out there. And when he went to invest in the soil again, he would have found out with the investment that I'm making, I just made a wrong turn. Look what I found. I, want, I need a spirit of revelation to set in this room. I'm not preaching deep to you today. I am preaching to you something that is real. Jesus said, go ahead and bring that up for me, Brother Wendell. Jesus said, watch. If you love me, keep my commandments. We present this often from a position of fear. Well, if you don't keep his commandments and you don't love him, that's not what he said. He did not say, I want you to be so afraid of me that you keep my commandments. Woo-wee. If you can just scare people to death into holiness, then you've done your job as a pastor. Negative! You cannot scare people into holiness. But... Pastor, how do you know that? Because the first question people ask when they start dealing with holiness, so if you're saying then if I do that, I'm going to hell. And holiness has become a heaven or hell issue. Whether I do, So can I still do that and go to heaven? Well, that's a risk you're going to have to be willing to take because I'm not. But I don't do this just because I don't want to miss heaven. I want to build my house here. Can I get get really transparent with you? Okay. How many of you know your pastor settled on the word? I believe it. I love it. I love God. If you don't, you're in the wrong church. I love God. I'm telling you all, I love truth with every fiber of my being. I love truth. I'm going to throw something out here at you. I don't even like saying the words devil's advocates. So I've never been an advocate for him. But let me just play a weird thing right here, okay? Let me just say take eternity out of this, take all of the eternal things out of this. The life that I live is a wonderful life. I'm blessed. I have my wife, my kids, I have this beautiful church family, and I love you all dearly. Think of you when we're gone, pray for you. I love this church. I I love being here with you, I love worshiping with you. So let's just say, we know it's not true, but let's just say that this whole God thing is a lie, and we know it's not. But let's just say, this whole thing, the Bible is not true, there's no heaven, and there's no hell. I want you to think about what your life looks like today compared to what it looked like before you came to God. And take everything eternal off of that and then answer the question, is it really that bad? I mean, is it really bad that you're sane and in your right mind? That you gather together with people every week and talk about how good God's been to you. Is it really that bad to believe that when we live faithful and close our eyes and draw our last breath that there's hope beyond here? Here's what I'm going to tell you. There's a spirit of the age that's trying to convince you that this book is not true. So let me just tell you this. I know it's true because I settled in my heart that it's true. But if it wasn't true, you can't change my mind because I'm closed-minded. And I made up in my mind that God has been too good to me for me to change my mind and walk away from him. So while some people are still trying to figure out what they can get by with and still make it to heaven. I'm trying to tell you that Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He wasn't trying to scare you into keeping his commandments. He was saying, if you love me, commandments are no problem. I don't love him for heaven. I love him for him. Am I swimming in the deep end of the pool or are y'all just listening to me? Listen, when my life is a mess and I come to God and it gets better, then all of a sudden my mind changes to the fact that look what I've done. Look how much I've accomplished. Look at how far I've brought myself. If you didn't have that field, sir you'd have never got the gold you got. Let's go ahead and look on down in that same, that same chapter, verse number 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. What's it say? He it is that loveth me. You understand what he's saying right here? He that hath my commandments and keepeth them is him that loves me. I'm proving to him that I love him because anything he would ask of me is not too much. But when I start vacillating on whether or not it's worth the investment to keep living separated and holy and righteous, you've already lost the battle. How much clothes can I go without? How much holiness and separation can I do without and still be there? How much can I drink but not be an alcoholic? How much can I smoke but not be addicted? Hmm. Matthew chapter 10, verse 36. A man's foes... Shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father and mother more than me. Come on, this isn't pastors teaching. What did he say? He that loveth son or daughter more than me. That's pretty heavy, folks. Does that, does that sound like the Jesus that people preach for real? That expects nothing of me? Is that the religious Jesus that everybody's preaching about these days? Oh, just come as you are and stay. He don't care. He just wants you to be happy. He said, you're not worthy of me. If my wife can't love me more than she loves other men, she's not worthy of me. Man, I hope y'all don't break your fingers clapping on that. Are you seeing the principle here? Jesus said, you don't deserve me. So if I walk around trying to figure out all the time how much I can get by with as long as people still think I love him. I've watched people leave the church but still dress in a standard kind of way that they used to dress when they came to church. So that the whole world thinks they still love him. That's got to be the only reason. Or or you're afraid that you're going to lose something if you stop dressing like that. But what I'm telling you is that the reason I dress the way I do and my wife dresses the way she does is not because it's what this church teaches. It's because it's the lifestyle that we chose and that we love and that we want to be. We want to be separate from the world. We want to be different from the world. It is not about what men make me do. I fell in love with Jesus and I love him. Now, he that taketh not his cross, verse 38, this is not pastor's preaching. Y'all are reading this. If you've got your Bible open, it's red, R-E-D. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me. Bishop, I'd love to hear you preach sometime about the Jesus that I'm not worthy of. You could rip that. Oh, well, see, you, you preachers get just get up and, and preach condemnation. I'm not preaching condemnation. I'm telling you what Jesus said. Listen, none of us are worthy of his grace. None of us are worthy of his mercy. It's not about how worthy I am from what I've been through. Your story's different than my story. What Jesus is saying is, if you're not willing to live like this, then you're showing me you could care less. See, there's some people in this room that feel like this is negative preaching right now. And I'm trying to get this to you. This is a love message. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake. It'd be easy to live for Jesus if we didn't have to obey. It's the red letters that kill us. Because if they get red letters, this whole thing would be fixed. Love them that hate you. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Well, I'll tell you what I'd do if I was there. Yeah, you probably would do that. But Jesus said, if they take your coat, then give them your cloak too. Now, I don't like red letters, but they're real. Matthew sixteen 24. I'm not going to preach much longer. Stay with me. Did I just hear somebody say, thank God? Here it comes, folks. This is not Pentecostal preaching. I'm going to read to you from the Bible. Let's start at the beginning of the scripture. Then Pastor St. Clair said to the church. Then said Jesus to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. You hear how quiet it is in here right now? Because there's some people counting the cost in your seat right now. So Pastor, what about the like the, the platform guidelines? If I don't do that, then I can't sing on the platform. If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and then I'll go wherever he wants me to go. Have you ever thought about how many of us are trying to lead Christ? Oh God, I feel such a conviction in this house that I'm hoping will settle on pews. There's a reason why I'm not jumping and shouting and spitting to the fifth row right now. I need somebody to get what I'm preaching to you. You do not have a relationship with Christ without self-denial. Oh, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection. But whatever you do, don't finish the verse. And the fellowship of His suffering? Suffering? Are you kidding me? I'm going to suffer if I live for God. If you want the gold, you got to buy the land. I don't just want the threads of blessing that run through the land. I want to build my house here. I'll take the land. This right here is going to be the best preaching I've done all day because I'm just going to let Jesus preach. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake. Yeah. Yeah, fine. Now everybody put your seatbelts on because Jesus is fixing to drop the hammer in verse 26. For what? What does a man profited? Yes. If he gains. <laughs> I finally found all the love I was wanting. Finally found all the things that I wanted to buy. Finally got a better job, so now... I can afford it, yeah, but you're, you're, you're living on 100% of your income. Making more than you've ever made. And when you were giving your tithe and offering to God, making less and still with your family and all was well, your life was so much better. I feel weak today under the heavy anointing that I'm standing under before this congregation right now as I simply recite the words of the Messiah What has a man profited? If you gain the whole world. Pastor, I don't even believe there is a hell anymore. Then how do you lose your soul? And if hell is not what you imagined it being, are you still willing to lose your soul? Hell is not a big swimming pool of fire where you and your best friends sit around and sip bud light for all eternity. What have you profited? <laughs> if you gained the whole world and you lose your soul, oh, God. and what did you give God? Jesus said, You need to put a measure on how much your soul is worth. Is it only $200 that you're willing to sell off everything you invested in because now you found dirt, but it's not pay dirt? Three feet. Turn around. Come back to the vein and move in the right direction. Sir, you're not so far away from the vein. But what are you going to exchange? Oh, Jesus. God, I'm asking you to let this congregation feel what I'm feeling right now. Sinner, saint, backslider, cold, indifferent, whoever they may be. Let the weight of eternity rest in here. And I'm not talking about fear of hell. I'm talking about falling in love with you. How many conversations do you have with people that say, man, I don't think all that's necessary to be saved. Let's back up and let's get the motive. What would make you say that? I don't think I have to do all that to be saved. What's your motive? Are you saying you're not willing to do that to be saved, or that you just don't want to do that? Brother Jim, I'm so happy to see you today. I can't tell you how often I think of the conversation that you and I had, and I've preached it all around the world. I'll never forget how I felt when you looked me in the eyes and you said, Sodom was not destroyed because of sin. Sodom was destroyed because righteous people refused to be righteous. You remember that? Why do you people go to church so much? I don't have time for all that. No, no, you missed it. You're trying to make room for God. You're trying to decide how much room you can make. He don't want room. He wants priority. What have I hurt at the end of my life Sister Doris If my kids see me love one woman Preach to this church Come to church every time The doors are open (laughs) Live holy What if I lost I'm going to say this And the altars are open but I want to tell you something I've picked up on I know I'm a cry baby today Brother Stephen mentioned it this morning he said during this season there's been a lot of preaching on the coming of the Lord and I've had a lot of people tell me I've been praying more recently in these last few months that the Lord would just come and get, get all this over just come Lord just come just come just come and I was praying that, Brother Hensel. But I started feeling guilty because I realized that all heaven was was an exit strategy when I prayed that way. That I wanted God to come and just give us relief from trouble. God, just come back and give us relief from COVID. Come back and give us relief from the hatred. Come back and give us relief from the riots. And I felt that tender voice. Just ask me the question Is heaven the only reason you love me? So that's why you want me to come back, is to get you out of here. What about just loving me till you cross the finish line? Just sing it today. Get it in your heart. I surrender all to thee, my blessed. you something today the book of revelation the 12th chapter and the 10th and 11th verse we preach it a whole lot because the accuser of the brethren is cast down it's one of our favorite end time sermons it's like a candy stick scripture that we use a whole lot verse 11 they overcame him By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. We can do backflips over. Man, I love it. It's so good. But look at the last part. And they loved not their lives until they died. Everybody wants to be an overcomer but you can't just overcome by blood and testimony to be in the posture of an overcomer you can't love your own life Timothy, hurry up and get here 2 Timothy 4 and 10 for Demas hath forsaken how did he do it, why did he do it? He loved this present world. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you today that if there was no heaven and there was no hell, that I would live for God. I'd like to say that I would, but that'd make me a hero, and I'm not. I'd like to think I love God enough, Brother Mike, that I, I would. But here's the fact of reality. There really is a heaven. There really is a hell. And you only have one life. What are you going to do with it? Because for me, I'd rather have the land than the gold. Because if I have the gold and then I sell out, I don't have anything but if I take the land I can build a house here and I can raise my family here and we can have a future together you know I was raised in a real conservative church that said all this was necessary to be saved man just save the hogwash don't, don't blame the church for that bottom line is you either love him or you don't you either love this truth or you don't you either buy in or you sell out I'm sorry, I wish there was a way I could put it delicately to you today and just say, oh, you know, just come patty cake with Jesus. It'll make him happy. Somebody had better buy in today to realize if you want the gold, you got to buy the land. Brother Gordon, I'm so thankful God's patient with me. But if I just ran off because I failed God and messed up, I couldn't keep the land, Bishop. So what you do is when you miss the mark, Bishop, I don't understand how a junk man could access the mind resources of a gold prospector that says, yeah, he just missed the mark. But the man that had sold everything to buy it wouldn't take the time to go sit with somebody that knew more than he did and say, where did I miss it? So you're going to sell everything you've got instead of just sitting down and saying, did I miss something? Oh God. Today, that's what the church is all about. The church is that voice of reason that says, here's what I feel like. You've just missed your direction just a little bit. You're three feet away. Just turn turn right back to the north right there and you're going to find out everything you've been looking for is not on another piece of property. It's right here. So take the field. Father, if we have ever needed you, we need you today. There's not a person in this room that has not fallen short and made mistakes. But I am not going to allow my mistakes to measure me today and cause me to sell out everything that I've invested in the kingdom of God. I'll take the field and I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay with your kingdom. I'm going to stay in the church. I'm selling out today. If that's your heart today, would you just lift your hands in your own way and tell the Lord, I'll take the field. I'll take the field I'll take the field I'll take the field Lord whatever you ask of me it's not too much it's not too much